0: Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com slash support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Shalom. My name is Nicole Vaca, and I'm one of the co-producers of Our Hope Podcast. We created Our Hope to be a window into the Messianic community a place where we can discuss Israel and the Bible, and a resource for people who want to share their faith more effectively and compassionately with the Jewish community. If you are interested in supporting what we do, you can donate to Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com donate. You can also support us by sharing this podcast on social media with your friends and family or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for your support. And we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. In the midst of a pandemic, political tensions, and the stresses of everyday life, it is difficult to keep our focus on the Lord and even harder to be joyful. Yet, during Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles, God commands his people to rejoice. But how do we do this during a time of fear and division? On today's episode, we have a special message from Chosen People Ministries President, Dr. Mitch Glazer, who will help us understand what it means to trust God and be joyful in all circumstances. We hope that as you listen, you will gain a deeper appreciation for Sukkot and find rest and renewal in God, whose joy is our strength. Take a listen.
1: I wish you could walk around Brooklyn with me this week. It's so festive. Sukkah booths are popping up everywhere, on fire escapes, front lawns, apartment house lawns, and the growth of these colorful little lean-tos, structures, happened almost overnight. Fall is in the air and so are the Jewish holidays. We've completed two of them, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and now, we are into the third, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. What a different spirit than the first two. I find the first two holy days to be personally meaningful and even life-changing, but I just love Sukkot. It's not as sober and serious as Rosh Hashanah, where repentance is the major theme of the festival, nor is the festival observed with fasting and self-denial, like Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The Feast of Tabernacles is all about joy, according to scripture and in Jewish tradition. And there's so much to celebrate, especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus the Messiah, whether they be Jewish like me or not Jewish. As we know, repentance cannot save us, but it does prepare our hearts to embrace the Messiah by faith. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, prophetically look forward to the death of Jesus. He died for our sins and he rose from the grave, and now we can receive the gift of everlasting joy and salvation through him. All of the Jewish holidays point to something in the future, as does Sukkot. I remember what that great messianic pioneer, Rabbi Saul, the apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verses one through two. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace, in which we stand and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. And so those of us who know Jesus as our Messiah have peace with God. And we also rejoice or exalt in the hope of the glory of God. In other words, there's a bright future for those who know and love Jesus, the Messiah. And we see that prophetic future embedded in the festival of Sukkot. So let me take a a brief moment and explain. During Sukkot, we do a number of different kinds of things as outlined in the Bible and in Jewish tradition. But most of all, uh, we reflect on the great things that God has done in the past, which point us towards the future. And this is done through a number of different uh, ceremonies and activities during the Feast of Tabernacles. So we read in Leviticus 23, verses 33 through 35. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel saying, On the 15th of this seventh month is the Feast of Booths for seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. Don't do any laborious work. For seven days, present an offering by fire to the Lord. And on the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It's an assembly, so don't do any laborious work. So it's on the 15th day of the seventh month. It's called the Feast of Booths. We take seven days to celebrate it. And the first day, we have a a gathering, a holy convocation. And then uh, we present offerings throughout uh, the seven days. On the eighth day, Shemini Atzeret is what it's called in Hebrew. We have another holy convocation. We also present offerings. And again, we don't do any laborious work. But there's more uh, to the festival. In verse uh, 39, we begin with the following. On exactly the 15th day of the seventh month, When you've gathered in the crops of the land. So that's unique. We understand that it's a harvest festival. You shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days with a rest on the first day, a rest on the eighth day. And on the first day, take for yourselves. Now here's something different. The foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So that's unique to this festival you shall thus celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Here's something else that's unique. You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in booths so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths where I when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. So there's an explanation for why we live in booths. And then Moses concludes speaking for the Lord. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel, the appointed times of the Lord. That's Leviticus 23, 39 through 44. So for a few moments, let's take a deeper dive into these biblical commands for the holy days and take a look at them. Uh, Again, just to remind you, Uh, The date is always important. You can't celebrate a Jewish holiday any day you want. There's no way to make it up. It's observed this one in the seventh month on the 15th day of the month for a total of seven days and then the one additional eighth day. And then in modern Judaism, a ninth day was added called Simchat Torah, which is basically uh, called the the joy of the Torah because we finished reading uh, the five books of Moses in the synagogue and we make a a great celebration uh, to commemorate this wonderful event. As it is with many of the festivals, uh, we commemorate something that was ancient. And we also also celebrate quite often a harvest festival. You see that in the spring festivals with Passover and first fruits and Pentecost and uh, the Feast of Weeks. In this case, the final harvest is all about the final harvest of fruit. That's the last harvest. And that's in the late fall. And then we move into the rainy season. And then hopefully once again, the crops will, uh, will grow and God will provide uh, the rain. So the holidays remind us of the ways in which God cares for the children of Israel, especially through the wilderness wanderings. And what I love about the holiday Sukkot in particular, is it's proof that the game show and tell, do you remember playing that that game in school? That show and tell, I believe, must have been God's idea because he uses the physical to teach us about the spiritual. By touching, seeing, hearing, as in the case of the shofar, and even tasting, as is the case with matzah during Passover, the festivals are his spiritual classroom and all of our senses are engaged to teach us profound and beautiful spiritual truths. Now, let me just, again, give you a little overview of the festival. The initial scriptures concerning Sukkot suggest that the holiday began as a celebration for the ingathering gathering of the harvest. The Sukkah, or the booth, literally, the temporary structure built for the holiday reminds the Jewish people of how our ancestors lived in temporary dwellings while they journeyed through the desert to the land of Israel. The waving of the lulav and the etrog or esrag, which more uh, Ashkenazic, uh, European uh, Jewish people uh, use the word esrog, They pronounce it the same Hebrew letter as an S. And in modern Hebrew, it's a T, etrog. So these are the four species in the scripture, which remind us of how God is everywhere at one time. So during the holiday, we wave the four species each day in six directions, east, west, north, south, up and down to remind us that God is everywhere. The lessons uh, from the Lulav and the Esrog are very, very important and a vital part of the holiday. And you actually have to get these um, elements and you can't buy them until the very last moment at the end of Yom Kippur. Uh, you, you can't get them because they need to be fresh. And uh, most of them are uh, imported from Israel, actually. So we're commanded to take the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branch branches and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook. And we're to rejoice before the Lord, uh, our God, for seven days. So we weave these elements together to form what is known as the lulav, representing the four species mentioned in the biblical text. Now, the foliage of beautiful trees literally means the fruit of beautiful trees and refers to the etrog, it looks like a large lemon. The palm branches or the lulav, which is literally the the word for the entire uh, grouping or bunching together of these elements, but it refers more specifically to the palm branches is a closed frond of the date palm tree. And the boughs of leafy trees refer to the branches of a myrtle bush. And the willows of the brook refers to the branches of the willow tree. And so the palm branch, the myrtle and the willow are combined into what is called in general a lulav, which is also the Hebrew name again for the palm frond. We actually use three willow branches and two myrtle branches and the one long palm frond and we tie them together. So we then recite the blessings over the Lulog and the Etrog and shake them to the front and sides and up and down and all around to show that in reality, the entire created world in heaven and earth is the booth of God who dwells above and beyond all he has made. And he is literally everywhere as David describes in Psalm 139. Again, these elements remind us of the final harvest also. And more importantly, they teach us some great lessons about God, who is our great provider. And whether you believe in God or in Yeshua as the Messiah, God is still the one who created the crops, opens the skies, pours down rain from heaven, and sets the sun in its place to shine on our orbiting planet, enabling the crops to grow. He invites us to harvest and enjoy his bounty. Yet there are also a few different kinds of lessons that I I take away from these four elements. First of all, it's important to note that we're commanded to take these elements and rejoice. We are actually commanded to smile, to be happy. We're told to be happy. In Leviticus 23, 40 and 41, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. It's a command to be happy. Now, It's not easy to do this in the midst of a pandemic, as our lives are so disrupted and many of us have experienced significant loss of a loved one, friend, business, income, education, our fellowship with others in worship, and really just the joy of everyday and normal life. Let's face it, we miss all of this and we're eager to recapture what we've lost. Yet God commands us to rejoice, even in the midst of suffering. Paul did that in the New Testament. Rejoice again, I say rejoice. But it's hard today. It was hard during the difficult days of walking through the desert and the rest of Jewish history, when we think about dispersions and pogroms and the Holocaust and the multiple wars we fought as the birth pangs of the foundation of the modern state of Israel. Why should we rejoice when everything is against us and tells us that this is inappropriate behavior. Because on Sukkot, we're reminded of God's care of the Israelites in the desert. And we can look to the Lord for the same today. As we travel through the desert of this life, He cares for us. He provided the manna, the quails, and even water out of a rock. We can smile because we know He takes care of our needs. The Jewish people, my ancestors, experienced this according to Moses. I'm reading from Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through 4. You shall remember all the ways in which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that a man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. And later on in Deuteronomy 8, he led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water he brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you, to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth." So clearly, God enabled the Israelites to go through some very terrible circumstances so that their faith could be tested And so that at the end, they would be humble, obedient, and glorify God, and more than that, depend upon God for all things. You know, Yeshua the Messiah said something very much the same. It's almost as if he wrote Deuteronomy, which it was the Spirit of God who wrote Deuteronomy, and the three are one, so I'm sure he had a lot to do with it. And we read in Matthew 6.25, For this reason I say to you, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Matthew six twenty-five. And also, Jesus said, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, thrown into the surfe- sur- furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, Matthew six thirty. And then finally, I believe the conclusion to Uh, what he was trying to say in these passages. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Sukkot and the four species remind us of his power to provide and of his mercy and his grace and his love and of his abundance for us. He wants us to seek him first, to depend upon him for all things, to cast our cares upon him, and to allow him to provide for us. Now let me share one more lesson. He calls upon us to serve him by serving others. Sukkot calls upon us to be thankful and generous. Gratitude is one of the great lessons of Sukkot. To be grateful to God for all he has done, to rejoice, but to also remember the poor and those who do not have what they need. You might look for one needy family this week and give them something from the abundance God has given to you. And I believe God will bless your generosity and your Sukkot celebration will be all all the more joyful as you care for others in the same way God has cared for you. Yeshua said that, again in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 2-4, through 4, so clearly. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father, who sees what is done, In secret, will reward you. And so we understand that it's one thing to thank God for his generosity, but it's another thing for us to be generous ourselves. What we know in our minds and our heart needs to pass through through our hands. We need to be used by God to change the lives of others who are lacking what they need. So this Sukkot learned the lessons of the four species of this great harvest festival that God is going to provide for you. He's gonna give you what you need, not what you want necessarily. It may not There may not be a big margin sometimes, but God is a great and glorious and faithful provider. And then he wants us to turn around and do what we can to provide for others. So find a needy family sometime this week and be generous. Give them from the abundance that God has given to you. So as we say on Sukkot, Chag Sameach, a happy holiday, a happy Sukkot. May God bless you. Shalom.
0: As we celebrate Sukkot, we find comfort in knowing that God is with us and Yeshua will return again someday to physically dwell among us and restore our broken world. Until then, we will continue to trust God's provisions and give out of the abundance He has given us. We want to share with you this scripture from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Thank you, Lord, for the hope of Sukkot. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Hope. This episode was made possible thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Nicole Vaca, Grace Sui, Kyron Bautista. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out ourhopepodcast.com or
1: chosenpeople.com. See you next time.